Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So, I don't fall down. Okay? I don't fall down. I can probably, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not joking, I can probably count on this hand how many times I have accidentally fallen down in my life. I'm not one that trips and falls. I, I mean, like, I'm just not. And a lot of that came from whenever I was growing up. I, I didn't, I, I had a short stint as a sacker. That was back in the late 1900s. And, um, but really where I made my money in, in, in middle school and high school and even a little bit beyond was hunting rattlesnakes. Well, in order to hunt rattlesnakes, you have to go up on these mountains and shine this light up under there and you find them and you, you get them out. Well, you don't want to fall down and you're walking on mountains. So you become very, very astute of where you put your hands and, and everything like that. Now, I did fall a couple of years ago whenever we moved the back door from right here to right here, but the cement porch did not move from right here to right here. So there was only, I got out and I forgot about it and I hit with my right foot right on the porch, but there was no, there was no porch for my left foot. And so I fell down and that was, you should go listen to that sermon. It's really funny. But, uh, Yesterday during the rope and I was doing a lot of cleaning up. Man, I want y'all to be proud of our place when these Long X Ranch cowboys come in. You know, I heard a long time ago uh, off the T.O. Ranch that it's good for a cowboy to keep a clean camp. Okay, now me and Ty and Mitch and, and a lot of others that have been with Save the Cowboy, we have been cleaning on our camp for about 10 years. <laughs> and luckily we're getting down to kind of the superficial stuff, right? And so it doesn't help that I bought a mini excavator because I got tired of doing everything by hand. And it's for rent if anybody wants to rent it. <laughs> I've got to pay for it somehow. But anyway, I've been out there cleaning and I was going to move a bunch of pipe. Well, the pipe was sitting on a bunch of old pallets and the pallets were on the ground and you know how much it's been raining. They were all rotten. So I got in there with the bale spears on the, on the tractor and I tried to just lift the pipes up. But of course I caught one end of a pallet, you know, and everything. So I'm driving it out there where I'm putting it so I can clean everything up. And I get down there and I'm like, I got to get that pallet out, but I don't want to move 20 joints of pipe to get this pallet out because it's, it's just barely stuck in there. So I get off the tractor in the middle of the pasture by myself and I go over there and I'm like, ah, what am I going to do here? And so I was like, well, I kind of move it. Oh, it's pretty stout on the top. Now on the bottom, it's rusted out. So I kind of give it a, a test pull, right? I kind of give a test pull and say, oh, it's pretty stout on the top. So I'm like, mm, and I pull pretty hard and it moves. It only has to go this much further. And I was like, <laughs> and I grab it and I, and I pull as hard as I can. And I took the nesty plunge. And if you just laughed, you were from the late 1900s because you know what that is. I mean, I went full frontal backwards and landed right on my back. I mean, hard. 
You ever been instantly mad? I got so salty for about 60 seconds. I mean, wall-eyed fit. I was mad. I was already hot, all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, get over it. Get over it. So anyway, I've been putting up a lot of panels and everything. So I was driving, later on, I'm driving some T-posts, right? And if you've ever drove T-posts for very long, you know, you start hitting it and boy, it seems like every hit, it goes down about that far and you're like, yeah. And then you hit a rock when you've only got this much more to go. So what do you do? You pull the T-post out, you dig the rock. No, you don't do that. You, you, you channel four, <laughs> right? You're like, Kung Fu this thing. And I mean, I lifted that T-post driver up. Well, it's angled on the back side so that when you lean the T-post over, it's easier to put on. Well, the problem is that when you're looking at the T-post, it's lower in the front than it is the back. And so I pulled it up too high. Now, I didn't see that I wasn't connected anymore, but I came down as hard as I could and it bounced off the top and hit me right in the forehead. And I nest he plunged again. No, I threw it away. You'll have to buy a new one. Listen. Listen. It got so salty that nothing will grow in a 10-foot radius anymore. I mean, ice... You ever heard of scorched earth? I scorched the earth with my pain and my frustration, and I'm sad to say, with some of my words. I mean, I was vivid, livid. And I don't know why, but getting hit in the head instantly makes me mad. Instantly makes me mad. It doesn't matter how mundane or anything like that. My goodness. Today we're going to talk about saltiness. We're going to talk about saltiness. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked a lot about salt, and, and it's kind of hard for us to understand. But, you know, without salt, things can be very bland. You know, go to a hospital. <laughs> you know, you get put on a low-sodium diet. I mean, it's like nothing tastes good without a little bit of salt. But just enough salt. Man, it can make things taste magical. You know, there is something, and it might have been Kathy Weber, I'm not sure. But have you ever had just salt and pepper on a steak that's cooked really good? Man, you, you just can't beat it. I mean, just salt and pepper. You don't have to do all this fancy barbecuing and blah, blah, marinating. Man, just some salt and pepper just makes things amazing. So without salt, things are bland. With the right amount of salt, it tastes great. With a little more salt, things can be preserved. And they can last a long, long, long time. But too much salt, nothing can grow. Too much salt, nothing can grow. So we're going to talk about those four things and how they apply to our Christianity and how we can learn to have the right kind of salt in our life. Not so that our lives will be better, not so that our lives will be easier, so that we can bring glory to God. The first one, 
a bland faith. See, too many people do have a bland faith. It's not that they're bad, it just, it's kind of a tasteless faith. It doesn't really do anything. And, and Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter five, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. I mean, what would make something worthless in the kingdom of God to be thrown out and trampled overfoot? Well, I, I think one of them is a lip service faith where you talk a big game and you, you, know, you say, oh yeah, God is this, God is that, but there's nothing in your life that represents that you have the faith that you talk about. It's easy to talk about a huge faith and how much faith we have and saying that you're gonna pray for people and everything. And you know, I, 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 want, I want to thank, uh, Anthony, where are you at? Oh, here he is, right behind my light, right behind my light. You know, the other night, Anthony was at the house and we were talking and I, I appreciate his friendship and his wisdom and the life that he leads because he is not one of those that, that has a lip service Christianity. I mean, his faith is real. And I asked him, I said, how can I pray for you? And he goes, man, I, I, I'm not real sure because everything is going good. And I said, well, I'd like to pray for wisdom so that that continues. But I, but I said, let me pray for you right now. And I prayed for him right now because I, I told y'all a few weeks ago, quit telling people that you will pray for them at some later point. If you're gonna pray for them, pray for them right then, right then. We need a faith that is not just platitudes. We need a faith that is active. We don't need a faith that is bland, that just talks good and says, God bless you and everything like that. We need a faith that means something. What would make something worthless in the kingdom but to be overtrodden? God, ain't, God could care less about your words. He cares about your heart, right? Well, I think another thing that can make us bland and lose our saltiness is an unpermeating faith. See, salt permeates stuff. Like it goes into everything. It's not surface level. God wants our faith to influence every single part of our life, not just Sunday morning, not just when things are bad, not just when you're looking for a new job. He wants our faith to permeate every part of our lives. Listen, you don't have to be a preacher, okay? You don't have to be a preacher, but you can be a prayer warrior. You can go around praying with people all day long. You can pray for those that you can't have contact with in the evenings or all day long. You don't have to be a preacher, but you can be a prayer warrior. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to go to a foreign country, but you know what you can do? You can give directly or to Save the Cowboy because one out of every $10 given to this ministry goes to foreign missionaries. George Cisneros in Guatemala and our, our family in, in Mexico that have the orphanage, Renee and Memo, right? You don't have to be a missionary, but you can support one. 
You don't have to be a preacher. I'm not saying that you got to, you know, dress in sackcloth and become, you know, John the Baptist wearing camel hair and eating bugs, okay? You don't have to do that. But listen, you don't have to do a lot of things, but do something. Do something. Allow your faith to permeate everything in some form or fashion. Let it permeate. And the third thing that I think that can have us thrown out where we lose our saltiness is an unreturned shopping cart faith. Is an unreturned shopping cart faith. What do I mean by that? You know, there is no rule that says that you have to take that shopping cart to that little buggy bin. Nobody's going to really call you out on it except the preacher. And, um, you know, you, nobody, there's no rule against not returning it. You're not going to get arrested. You're not going to get fined. And you know what? Someone else will do it if you don't, won't they? Someone else will do it if you don't. Don't have a shopping cart faith. Don't use everything. Don't use your faith when it's convenient and you get to put stuff in it and, and it makes life easier and then just abandon it when it's no longer in use. Go put your shopping cart up. And you know I'm not talking about shopping carts, people. You know that. That is the type of faith like that loses our saltiness. Don't just... Don't just have a faith that, that is just lip service. Don't have a faith that is surface level. Have a faith that permeates everything. And for, for everything that is good, man, don't just use God. Follow Him. Don't leave it for somebody else to do. Do it yourself. Follow through. A bland faith. But what happens if there's just enough salt? What if you are not doing those things? What if you have become something more? What does that look like? Well, I think what that looks like is in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. You don't even have to look at it if you've been coming to save the cowboy for any amount of time. You can probably repeat this verbatim. It says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's the just enough salt. It's not too much. It's not too little. It really is that simple. This is a balanced faith, right? Listen, love God and love others and love yourself. This is what I call the love trinity. See, a triangle is one of the most strong things in the world. In architecture, talk to Shay about, about the strength of a triangle, but when one of those sides is loose, it loses all of its strength. Love God, love others, and love yourself. I mean, we could, if you wanted to grow in your Christianity, if you focused on those three things, in equal measure, probably, well, I mean, you know, loving God. I, I don't think that you can love God without the other two. They are all interdependent. And a lot of us are good at one of them. 
Maybe we're, you think you're good at loving God, but you're not loving him if you're not loving others and you're not loving yourself. And you can take that little carousel however many times around it. There's nine different possibilities actually. But only one means something. And it's all three. It's all three of those things. Man, listen, this is not rocket math, okay? It's not rocket math. It's actually very simple. Love God, love others, love yourself. Okay? There's not a lot of right or wrong ways to do it either. I mean, God gives us the freedom. A lot of people say, well, I just, you know, I keep praying and I don't know what God wants me to do. Listen, if God is not telling you to do something, you know what he's doing? He's loving you. He says, go, go do whatever you want. But while you are doing that, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor and love yourself. If God is not giving you specific directions on where to go, he's loving you with a choice. He's saying, I'm trying to give you the desires of your heart. Go, and if you wanna do this, do it. But while you are doing that, do these three things. It's God saying, listen, it's God saying, I want you to live your life full and these three things will ensure that it happens. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor and love yourself. Man, that is the steak that is salt and peppered just right that brings sustenance and provision and nutrition. It's the, it's the steak for our souls. The just right. Not too bland, just right. Well, then we have the preserving faith. The preserving faith. See, this, when there's a little more salt, when, when, it, when it's more salt than just taste, it's salted to ensure that it lasts. A preserving faith, right? This is the faith that influences others. This is the faith that influences others. Honestly, listen, this is a call from God. It is not, not everyone is called to this, okay? Not everyone is called to it. So if you haven't been called to it, that's okay. That's okay. But it's a call from God and it's a call to be more than others. Wait a minute, listen to me. It's a call to be more than others for others. Does that make sense? It's a call to be more than others for others so that you can share your faith where it's more active. Instead of just eating the steak, you are preparing it. You are feeding. Why do you think we do the Long X Ranch Cowboys? Jesus fed people before he preached to them. He made sure that their bellies were full. It's biblical. This is why we do it. We need those of you, and it's not all of you. I get it. I get it. It's not all of you. But those of you that have been called, you have been called to be more than the others for them, not above them, for them. Yes, your responsibility, your responsibility is going to go way up. And you know what? God is going to judge you a little more harshly. 
And when I say judge, he's just calling you to be more. Where everybody else can just ride around with their heads in the clouds, he's like, no, you've got a specific duty now. You've got to take this a little bit more seriously than you did before. It's this preserving faith is a call to be more than others, but not above them, for them, for them. Have you ever felt deep down this is you? I'm really asking, have you heard that call? And if you haven't, that's fine. It's absolutely fine. But you know what? There is some of you out there, and I think I know who you are, and I know you know who you are. Have you felt deep down that you have been called to just a little more than everybody else? Do you feel like you were called to be more than you are today? And if that is the case, what are you waiting on, cowboy? I mean, what are you waiting on? Come with us. We're not, at, we're not just going to throw you to the wolves. Come with us. But we're also, if God has called you to that, we're not going to do it for you. We're not going to hold your hand. I think too many people, you know, they want to be more, but they want to be more you, do, me doing it for them. I can't do it for you. I can guide you, but this is not going with, with Ty and Mitch and, and, and Chad and Mandy gathering the cows. This is going two by two to gather the wild ones, the fence jumpers. And I promise you, <laughs> ministry, you want to know what ministry is? Ministry is not, real ministry is like building your herd from sale barn cattle. Two people understood that. Go talk to them and find out what that means. Ministry is sale barn cattle. They're mean, they're ornery, they're fence jumpers, they don't abide by the rules, and that's who Jesus came to save, and it's who he has called us to be. And you know what? We get, we get tired of getting mucked out. We get real tired of getting mucked out. But you know what we do? We lick our wounds and we go back at it the next day. Yeah, we feel sorry for ourselves sometimes. I'm probably the worst at it. But we get up and we do it every single day because we care. Do we always get it right? No. But if God has called you to be more, what are you waiting on? You're here for a reason. You're hearing this. And you can feel it in the back. You can hear the Holy Spirit. Those of you that have heard the call, you can hear the Holy Spirit. And he's not being mean to you. But he is pressing on your heart just a little bit. And you can feel it. Will you give in to that pressure and go the direction that he wants you to? See, God has not called us to have a bland faith. What he's called us to, in Jesus' own words, not mine is just enough salt for 99% for of us, just enough salt. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor and love yourself. That right there will lead you to a life that you cannot experience anywhere else. But for some of y'all, but for some of y'all, you've heard the call. And that call doesn't mean that you have to be a preacher. I mean, one of the greatest people that has heard that call is Sherilyn Holderfer. Every single Sunday, she's my longest term employed. She has a faith that I envy. She heard the call and she answered it. It doesn't look like mine. 
but she's behind the scenes working. It's a myriad of ways to do, right? But then, but then there's the killing salt. There's the scorched earth salt. See, a lot of us sell barn cattle, we a little salty, right? We a little salty, but too much salt is a bad thing. Too much salt is a bad thing. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 32, Jesus says that too much salt is a bad thing. And he uses an example. And if I'm not mistaken, and Mandy can correct me after, after the service if I'm wrong, but it's the only time Jesus references a woman from the Old Testament. And you know what he says? Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. See, see, Lot and his wife and his two daughters had gone off to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where they lived. And in this place was a den of filth. I mean, when angels came to rescue Lot, people were trying to beat the door down. Men were trying to beat the door down because they saw two other men enter Lot's home and they wanted to have sex with those men. Little did they know they were angels and they were just sealing their own doom. But in God's mercy, he saw Lot and his wife and his two daughters and God is merciful and he went and he took them and he said we're going to destroy this den of filth you must escape and the angel said don't look back don't look back they led them out of the city God's protection over all four of them and they led them out of the city and they said, don't turn back. But you know what happened, don't you? Lot's wife turned back. But she didn't just glance back because of the noise of the sulfur and the fire and the brimstone completely obliterating two towns that were full of evil and sin and spreading like a cancer. She didn't just glance back because she was startled. Because if you go back to the original Hebrew, the word for look back means she looked back with longing over what she had left. And she became a pillar of salt. She looked back longingly for a life that God said to flee from. Listen, even as he rescued her, supernatural protection and rescue, and all God asked in return was don't look back. Don't long for that life that all of us used to lead. I don't look back at the life that I used to lead. I look right now at my life on that ranch four miles down the road with a family that I cannot number with the best wife in the entire universe. And I love my life and I don't want to go back to that whatsoever. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 33, the very next verse, Jesus, said, Jesus says, remember what happened to Lot's wife. That's verse 32. 
In verse 33, he said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you let your life go, you will save it. Let go. Let him rescue you. Let him lead you into a new life away from that filth of what you used to do, what you used to say, what you used to laugh at, what you used to talk about with the guys, what you used to talk about with the girls, the life that you lived, the places that you went to. Don't look back or you'll become too salty. You'll become too salty. See, this is what happens to our faith when we live in the past. The past that we've been rescued from. The pain that we've been healed of. He said that there's only one thing that can, that can kill you is looking back. Why are, y'all, why are you looking back into the past for something that you're no longer a part of? It's not you anymore. You have been forgiven. You have been healed. You have to have faith that that has happened. It's time today to start your new life. And, and, and whether it's, maybe you just don't think you're salty enough. Let's do something about that. Let's learn to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. Let's, let's love others. And listen, I guarantee you, man, if, if there's one guarantee in life I can make you right now, understand this. And you'd think after 15 years I'd learned it. But when you love others, they will not love you back. They will not love you back. Sometimes. Now, sometimes they will. But a lot of times they won't. They'll be selfish. They'll, 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 they'll say, what's in it for me? You're not doing this right. You're not doing that right, man. We've been freed from all of that. Let us start our new life together, right? Let us go. If you're not salty enough, learn to, the, the, the love trinity. Love God, love others, love yourself. But if that Holy Spirit's been nudging on you a little bit, See, he wants us to give to that pressure. And it's not a piercing pressure. It's a loving pressure. It's just a hand that says, go that way. And as soon as we do, the pressure eases. It's how God talks to us. You know, we always talk about a bat up against, you know, God took a baseball bat to me. No, that's usually consequences that took the baseball bat to you, not God. Okay. It's because we're idiots. Okay. (laughs) That's the only amen I got the whole sermon. (laughs) We're idiots. (laughs) Right? Listen, it's time today to start your new life. And just a new life, just like those angels offered Lot and his family. Don't turn back. Whatever you do, no matter how hard it gets, do not turn back. And now I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as I read from Genesis of what the angels exactly told Lot and his family as he calls you out of the darkness and into the light. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand in the hands of his wife and his two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. God, help us to flee to the mountains. Let us get out of that valley. Let us not look back. Let us heed your call, whether that's just 
to, to be just right, the, the basis, the foundation of our, of, of, of our following of God, of just loving you and loving others and loving ourselves. But God, I, I pray a special prayer on those like the Long Exchange Cowboys and others like that, that that have felt that pressure and have yielded their lives. We do not care. We do not live our lives for ourselves. We live our lives for you, God. And whatever we do, don't let them become too salty. Don't let them become too salty, God. Don't let them look back. Let them be this new creation that you have created. And it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. I love each and every one of y'all, and I thank y'all for being a part of this organization.